Yeah, gosh, I haven't. I don't think I've been here since you got the new computer. I'll show you after yeah. afterwards. Yeah. I'm just realizing how much time has passed. It's been a while, man. It's been a long time. Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Today we're going to discuss a movie called Dark City. This movie is from 1998, written and directed by Alex Proyas, who you would probably know more from The Crow or even iRobot, which would be more recent. Yeah, let's not talk about the knowing. <laughs> Was that the Nicolas Cage movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I think I've seen that one. There were two that came out right about... I went to the cinema to see that, and it was garbage. God, I hated it. Was that the one about the numbers? No, no. That was the one about the aliens that were like... It was like the end of the world. A solar flare was going to take out the world. And maybe, maybe there was numbers. It was about prophecy, and... I think that's the one I'm thinking of where it just seemed like he was making it up kind of as he went. <laughs> it was not good. And and also he directed lots of 80s and early 90s music videos. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. Visually, this movie is very interesting. These special effects are a bit dated now. It's, it's an interesting movie, and I, I'm glad to talk about it. The ratings tend to be pretty positive. IMDb is 7.6, Metacritic a bit lower at 66. Rotten Tomato, though, the critics were at 76%. Only 83 critics. I mean, this is, again, this is another old movie, yeah. and how many are going back, and what are they pulling from? But the audience, 85%, and that's over 150,000 people who have gone right, in and right. given it a positive rating. It stars Rufus Sewell, William Hurt, Kiefer Sutherland, Jennifer Conley, Ian Richardson, who I know from the original House of Cards on BBC. Yeah, and the only other person that I would say is Richard O'Brien. Yeah, who <laughs> is Rick the, Who's from The Crystal Maze or Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror is what I was thinking of, yeah. Have uh, you ever seen The Crystal Maze? I don't think it was that like I a, have. It was a kind of like a game show where they would have like different kinds of like mental challenge, physical challenge. It's a little bit like the Krypton Factor, but physical game shows. Like, Was he also the one that was in The Road Warrior? Oh, wait, was he? Maybe, maybe. Because I, I looked up his credits just to see what else he'd done. Because I don't know him from anything else other than this movie, Rocky Horror, and, well, The Crystal Maze isn't a movie, but <laughs> that's it. But it's always good to see him. He's a good actor. I like Richard O'Brien a lot, man. Rufus Sewell I'd never heard of. All the rest, yeah. There is one, but I didn't write it down, so now I can't think of oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I looked him up on IMDb, and I just I went through his history. I'm like, nah, no, no. I, I, there was one thing that I'd heard of, but I'd never watched I'd say this is probably the thing I know him from best in yeah. Dark City. 1998, end of 90s was a very interesting time for sci-fi. A lot of it came around to similar themes as this one, which we can't really talk about until we get into the spoiler section. But I will say that once we get into the spoiler section, it's going to be kind of no holds barred. And there's probably some other movies we're going to mention. I was going to say, there's definitely going to be maybe some spoilers for some other movies because... Right, yeah. but we'll we'll say that before it happens, as it is... I, I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about Dark City, except that it is sci-fi. I would actually say it's kind of a pseudo-sci-fi fantasy, in a way. Visually very interesting. I mean, that's what Prius does. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he's necessarily the best storyteller, which is some of what I'm going to get into here. And Well, part of the issue is I had seen this originally in the cinema back in 98. I watched it a month ago when we were going to record... 
and we've since had to have a lockdown for a month. So I watched it again yesterday, and a lot of the niggling questions from the back of my mind as I was re-watching it a month ago came right to the forefront when I was watching it only a month later. Right. So there are a lot of things I fear make the movie not quite hold up to multiple viewings, to real inspection of the pieces. Yeah, because I haven't seen this movie in at least 10 years. Some of the CG still looks good, and some of it looks really awful. It's a really interesting mix. Did they use CG in this? I thought a lot of that was done with uh, real sets and stuff like that. It looked real sets to me, with map paintings in the background kind of thing. I'm sure that some of it was, but some of it is clearly CG well, like stuff. The, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah we'll talk about, once we get into the spoiler section, for those of you that couldn't see his hand motion. Yes. Yeah. That is probably the number one thing. Can't really talk about it too much more than that, though, without giving stuff away. If you want to see something that's visually interesting, if you want to see something that feels a bit different, but now, unfortunately, feels a bit kind of same. If you didn't see this in 1998, there's been so many others that have come along and done similar things visually and story-wise to this that might not make it feel as new as it once did. But I will say, when I did see it the first time in the cinema, I loved it. Mm Mm-hmm. I knew it had flaws, as I always do. I can't seemingly love anything without noticing some flaws, but I did really enjoy it, and there are still some really good scenes and some really interesting ideas that the movie brings up. I would recommend it. Just realize that it's over 20 years old, and some of that is really starting to show. Yep. Just edit me out there. Um, <laughs> just let's get straight this no, totally it. Saying it now. <laughs> All right, here we go to the spoiler section. Dark City. Dark City. Flat Earthers vindicated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, only if they happen to live in this city. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot to this movie. I'm going to try and go through my notes and go through in order, but there are some times where I'm probably going to stop and just go, okay, we need to talk about this because, like I said, I watched it yesterday and there were just so many things. As I was watching it, I went, what? Mm. I don't understand. This... Movie almost feels like it would fit back in our original premise for the show where we were going to pick apart movies that had huge gaps and try to fill them. Well, <laughs> here you are. Yeah. I, think, I think this movie would have fit for that. But I think it does, because of the weirdness of the movie, I think it does still kind of fit into what we want to do I with the show now. I think they must have edited out some huge bits because, so, so, sorry to jump straight to the end, but sorry, how did you get outside? Jennifer Connelly, why are you outside on the pier already? That's throughout the whole movie. This What's is going on? It, it, listeners, if you want to go back to our Force Awakens nightmare where we <laughs> turned it into two episodes because it was so long, talking about conveniences and time not really mattering, this movie fits right in with that yeah. in, a, in a major way. Definitely. Do you remember if the voiceover at the beginning of the movie was in the cinema release? I don't remember this voiceover <laughs> at all. Wow, you're expecting me to remember 20 years ago. I don't remember that being there. It feels a bit out of place. It seems to give away a lot. It gives away far too much, and I don't remember it. I think, honestly, I think that's something that they added later, or I've got no idea. It's very possible that they did. I'd have to look into that. Asking me, I mean, when I read out the whole movie <laughs> it, before a month ago, you know, before I had rewatched it, I hadn't seen it in twenty years. Mm. So what I basically remembered were the whole premise of the movie, the major 
turns of the movie, what happened, some of the visuals, especially the change over times. That's what I really remembered. But I honestly didn't remember much more than that. I just remember it being a fun movie. And I say it's still a fun movie until like I'm probably going to do today and kind of pick it apart. But it is. And I think that the first go around, it really can be fun. Yes. So voiceover, let's not even talk about it anymore. Let's get into the movie. We're going to see Kiefer Sutherland as Dr. Daniel Poe Schraber. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Uh, what do you think of... I hate him. I hate this. I hate the way he talks like some evil genius. And he's like Pinky in the brain. Stop that stupid acting, man. Stop it. Go back to being the guy from 24. <laughs> I or, or was it called? Well, he wouldn't have been in 24. No, yet. I like, think well, that came after. Yeah. But, oh my God. Kiefer, come on, man. I don't like it, but I can appreciate what he's trying to do. He's trying to be something different than he has been in everything else. For some reason, in my memory, when I was watching it, I was like, by the time I got like halfway through as well, I was like, oh, so he's not a Nazi scientist. Because <laughs> I re- just totally remember him being a Nazi scientist. And no, he's not. <laughs> well, as far as we know, he has yeah. no memory. Yeah, exactly. He also limps around, so he's got he's all got sorts of problems. He's got a weird eye. I mean, I get all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But uh, I just don't like what he was going for. Sorry, it, it was a bit too much for me. I respect what he's trying to do, but it also didn't work for me. I didn't like it. But he <laughs> he really committed to the bit, though. <laughs> he definitely like, committed there was, to it. There were no <laughs> scenes where he forgot to do it. He was absolutely in it. And that's what I respect. Yeah. If you're going to go for it, go for it. And he did. It just doesn't work for me. And I'm just kind of surprised that nobody said, hey, this doesn't quite work. <laughs> or, you know, there's always the possibility that this is what the director wanted. Yeah, that's another thing as well. Yeah, who knows? It's very hard in this kind of big production to know where the blame would lie. Mm. I think the thing is, too, even if they realized partway through that it wasn't working, they would have to reshoot a lot because he's not a tiny role. He is a major role in this movie. But you'd think, yeah, I mean, definitely the buck stops with the director. And so, yeah, on the first day of, of shooting, you know, nah, nah, Kiefer, we don't, we don't want to do this. <laughs> just be you. But no, I like the opening. I love the opening of this movie once we get through the voiceover and just stars in space and stuff. But again, this kind of goes back to a little bit of the City of Lost Children vibe. The visuals look very much like really it. The similar. colors also The color scheme, similar. I noted that down. It's like the color scheme, even down to that. And also the color scheme of the Matrix as well, in some points. Okay. I was a bit off. I thought you'd bring up Matrix within five minutes. <laughs> I was going to bring it up immediately. I was going to say Dark City, Flat Earthers, Vindicated, or Truman Show meets the Matrix. <sighs> I was so close. <laughs> How many minutes are we at? <laughs> Six? Twelve. Ah, okay. Twelve. Oh, I mean, yeah. maybe if we took out the yeah, spoiler-free well, section. Yeah. But yeah, I was... I was just biding my time. I wrote it in my notes. That's what I was showing him. I wrote it in my notes. How long until Darren brings up the Matrix? Yeah. I said within five minutes, but yeah, I was a bit off. Yes. And that's, I'm glad you brought it up. So let's bring it up now. The Matrix did come out a year later. Mm -hmm. Now we know that a lot of prep went into the Matrix. So it's not like they saw this movie and went, we need to make another one. No. But amazingly, there's another movie I can't talk about right now because it would kind of give away what the movie is, but that happened the same time as The Matrix, at least the same year, and roughly around this whole time where all three have a kind of similar vibe, a similar look, 
and clearly similar theme of this world that is not what it appears to be. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. I, I mean, I, I marked them down as we go through chronologically. I marked down all the kind of matrixy Matrix moments that I, that, I, that, I, that I noticed. Also, the leather outfits. Exactly. Right down to the leather outfits. Yeah. Except they're on the wrong people. <laughs> But, yeah, if you believe all the conspiracies of that, the Matrix wouldn't have copied Dark City because they were already already copying someone else's comic book. So, uh, who knows? That's, that's a rabbit hole we can go down another, another day. Right. So, I think at this point we do get to see a slight transformation, right? Of the city, people falling asleep. People falling asleep, everything grinds to a halt. I do remember that from even my first time like when I watched it. Yeah, like 20-odd years ago. Although, maybe that might come later a little bit. Or I think maybe the actual transformation doesn't come till later. We see everybody <clears throat> I think, I think we come with John in a bathtub naked. I think that's pretty much our first thing that we see. Right. So, here we are. John Murdoch, as we will come to know him, wakes up in the tub. He's got blood on his head. And he's going to slip around a bit. He doesn't notice this evil-looking syringe that's on the floor. Probably because he broke this fish bowl and he has to save the fish. Yep. But then he's got a bunch of things that when you've watched it a second time or a third time, you know every piece that they're putting together, but they seem very random, I think, the first time because you don't know what's coming out. They've got the suitcase with KH on it that's packed. He gets dressed up in a suit. He's holding a postcard for Shell Beach, which is a major thing throughout the whole movie. And you see bits of distorted memory, a phone rings, and we hear Dr. Schraber say, I know you're confused, you don't have a memory, let's get together and we'll figure this out. And at this point, we don't really know what happened. We've met this doctor with his, at least in the version we've seen now, with his voiceover explaining absolutely everything. Mm. And this is where he takes off. He's going to see the bloody half-naked woman on the floor... Who, for some reason, has Jigsaw's cheeks scratched into her chest. Well, interesting, but Jigsaw also came later. So, so I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I think <laughs> they, they did it because of Dark City. Yeah, there's a lot of things, man. I got, I got some serious conspiracy vibes going on you, here. You seriously do. However, um, I mean, it's just a spiral. <laughs> but did you not look at that now and say, oh, Jigsaw, that's exactly what I did as soon as I saw yeah. it? I think if it had just been one on each cheek, uh, I would have, yeah. but... Because it's all over the body, it's a bit different. And the spirals become such a big thing later on as well. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure why they chose a spiral. I guess because it turns in turns on itself. itself. Forever. There's also the possibility, as I was looking at the city as a whole, as well as the rat maze. I think that's the point, yeah. Is the, the, the rat maze is basically the model for the city, more or less. Um, and he's running an experiment to see if the rat can find the center or something. I don't know. He's going to get in the elevator, head downstairs. But that's he, it. He says, he, the, the guy, uh, Kiefer says to him on the phone, exactly, again, ma- matrix point number one right here. He says to him, get out of there. They're coming for you. And three agents arrive. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I love the kid stranger, man. That kid stranger is so <laughs> creepy. I think he's Mr. Sleep. And funnily enough, Mr. Sleep is actually a girl. It's a, it's a female that plays him. Yeah, so. That would be the only female of the whole Alien race. Yeah. <laughs> it seems well, to be all guys. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think I think it's supposed to be a, a boy in the movie, but it was just uh, some girl that they got for the part. She, she, she nailed it. <laughs> she was certainly creepy enough. <laughs> There's something about kids. You can always make kids 
be creepy in a yeah. way that <laughs> adults just can't quite be. Yeah. So yeah, so John goes down to the, basically goes, goes down to the front desk. He realizes he's lost three weeks, pretty much. Well, yes or no. He just doesn't realize how much time has passed. But he's also walking through as everybody's just falling asleep, even the two guys on the couch. And that's one thing about this movie that is always going to kind of irritate me. It bothers me, man. That nobody seems to be aware of the fact that they just woke up. Yeah. They're going to wake up each other. and immediately start talking in mid-conversation as though they didn't fall asleep. They don't, nobody wakes up and goes, oh, did I fall asleep? It's like, oh, I did too, man. Like, yeah. Whoa, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> me too, says the bar, the bar guy. Yeah, like, what? Why are we all falling asleep at the same time? The man at the desk is going to say, hey, you need to pay up. So you better go get your wallet that you've left at the, what is it called? Like the, I don't know, it's some diner. Uh... It's not a diner. It's got a very particular name. I, I've probably written it down, hopefully. But he's like, you've left your wallet there. You need to get it so you can pay up. Dude waits like five seconds before he goes to ransack the room. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but some of the lines that are said here are very important because this is the big indicator that people can be swapped. They can be interchangeable because later we're going to see somebody at this counter saying the same exact things. Though to me, it doesn't make any sense because if I remember correctly, nobody slept in between. So he's just, they just shoved him in here during the day, which doesn't really yeah. fit. It's one of those things that just either was a bad edit and something's missing there for timing, for pacing something, or they just weren't paying attention to that one. It's possible, yeah. We cut to Jennifer Conley, who is Emma Murdoch, John's wife. She's singing in a nightclub. Offstage is told that Schraber is... I guess he left his card for her? Yeah, that's right. And then immediately we cut to his office where she's gone. They have this whole conversation about John apparently seeing this doctor for weeks now. Oh, actually, he says for years now because of worries of betrayal, because apparently she had an affair. Feels a bit exposition-y. Feels a bit weird that the doctor is doing this whole rat thing. What's the purpose of it? Unless he just enjoys it. It really just feels like a shoved metaphor in here. <laughs> and it's the type of thing I think the first time I watched it, I wouldn't have noticed. I wouldn't have really cared. But on my third time, it's like, oh, well, this is a bit much. And just for her to go straight from the club, just getting off stage to immediately being in his office, well, it sets the tone for the whole movie because fast travel is a thing. Yes, it is. In Dark City. But to be fair, it's not really a big city, so you can pretty much zip around. As I'm long curious as long, how big it is, yeah. As long as you're not falling asleep. I mean, it's, I mean how big would you even say that is by the end of the movie? 5,000 people, you think? Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, size-wise, it's like half the, it looks like half the size of like a really small city, like half the size of Manhattan or something like that, you know? It's tiny. We're going to see William Hurt now as Inspector Frank Bumstead. Who is the only actor that I know that's been in two Endgames. Help me out. I know, I know he was in the Avengers, in Avengers Endgame. And he's in the other Endgame, not the animation Endgame. <laughs> oh no, that was Mind Game. That was uh, Mind, Mind Game, Game, yeah. Yeah. The other Endgame, I don't, I've never seen it, but he's he's in two movies that are called Endgame, so okay. there you go. Well, if you want to go down that route, <laughs> both he and Jennifer Connelly have been in Hulk movies, but they were in different ones. Oh, yeah, that's right. She was in Hulk, yeah. She was also in Requiem for a Dream. That's where I remember her from. You've yet to watch that. Yeah, I don't think I have seen that one yet. My big one for her is always Labyrinth. Of course, yeah. 
Though more recently, I haven't seen it yet, but the Netflix series Snowpiercer, she apparently plays one of the Oh, is that why she's got credit for that? Because I was looking through the IMDb and it it said Snowpiercer and I just glossed over it. I didn't realize it was the TV thing. I was like, I don't remember Snowpiercer. They've made a TV adaptation. Ah, okay. Yeah. So he plays the accordion in the dark. We're going to find out later that it's... His mother's? His mother gave it to him, but it's one of the things that he can't remember. So that's when he starts to have that turn later. But they bring it up now. Uh, Here's the thing. Do we believe, and this may be another one of your Matrix things, (laughs) that they are learning skills from their memories? So, for example... They've implanted this memory of him getting the accordion. Did they also implant how to play the accordion? I think so, because I think by the... Unless it's just because John is special, because there's a total I know kung fu moment at the end of the movie. Oh, of course, yeah. But, yeah, I think it's possible. And I think I think they mention that in the movie itself as they're going through. It's not just about recreating the, the scene. It's about getting them to do the whole experience. And so, yeah, I think part of what they're doing is, yeah, not just making them actors in a role, but actually giving them the skills as well that go along with it. So I think that's what they're getting at, that they can imprint not just memories, but skills. We are going to see, this is the part where I was talking about the receptionist at the hotel has completely changed to a different person, but is speaking exactly like the other guy did. So clearly he's just been replaced. I don't think any sort of nighttime has happened since then, like a sleep time. Yeah, it's probably cut. We might have missed a reset. They're going to go and inspect the crime scene, but before that, we have to cut to the automat. That's what it's called. The automat, where you walk in and you put coins in to get whatever bit of food you want. And there's a man working behind there, constantly changing the food as people take it out or just refilling it. And he, I don't know why he's so busy because there's no one in there. <laughs> it's empty. Like two police <laughs> and one other guy who kind of got something and left. Yeah, I know. Maybe there was just a dinner rush. Mm. I will say this. One of the things I remember from watching this in the cinema is that up until now, in the movie, everything had been so bleakly dark that when we get to the incredibly strong fluorescent of this scene, those lights just... It it was almost painful Mm. (laughs) how much that changed. That is not something you experience watching it at home on Netflix that was very much something I noticed in the cinema. Oh, cool. Yeah, because I didn't really see a big deal on my monitor. Yeah, but that's cool when that happens. So the man will give back the wallet. This whole kind of when questioning. When did I leave it here? Last time you were here. When was I last here? When you left your wallet. Uh, circular answers. I don't remember you. I don't care. Here it is. <laughs> but you're basically going to have to have a coin to put in. To and, get it out. Yeah. He's like, got no money. But that's my wallet. <laughs> Police are going to come in. He gets nervous, I guess, because of the dead woman. Do you think he remembers killing her? Was that memory put into him? I think that that was part of what got messed up, and so he wouldn't have it. Because he remembers it later, doesn't he? There's a definite flashback scene later on, and then he's shocked by it. So at this point, I would imagine he has no memory of doing it. There's a blonde woman named May who comes in and kind of rescues him from answering the cops. Just after, to get it out, he, again, doesn't have a coin, so he uses his mind thing. So this is the first time he uses the mind thing, tuning, as it's called. And this is also, in the spoiler-free section, what Darren was referencing to as one of the worst CG bits. (laughs) It's pretty bad, yeah. I don't think it's that awful. I think there's some other ones that are a bit worse. 
it's more just the way that they use this in the story sometimes it it, it doesn't look as good as it probably could yeah i've always found that i don't know why i've got like a pet hate of these kind of special effects like things where you use your mind it's so hard to do on screen to make them look interesting. Even Harry Potter, they've got fire and magic coming out of those magic wands, but at the end of the day, it's just a guy standing there pointing a stick at someone. It's not very interesting. And they tried really hard to make it interesting. <laughs> the fight scene at the end just cracks me okay, up. Okay, we, just, we can't get to that now. We can't get to that now because <laughs> that, right. we've got to save them for the end, but I All totally right. agree. We will get there. At the crime scene, Bumstead is wondering why the killer would save a fish. Yep. Doesn't seem like something a killer would do. The spirit comes in, says how Woleski is all messed up. He's acting crazy. And then Woleski immediately like pops in. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah he's... <laughs> I heard you talking about me. <laughs> how did he even get there? No Why idea. Why did he even get there? So I thought he lived there. And then you find out, no, he doesn't he actually doesn't. live there. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's, if not a plot hole, at least an extreme coincidence massive coincidence or convenience yeah this leads us going into walensky's office and bumstead trying to figure out i guess what's wrong with walensky i I didn't quite understand why he was in there like did walensky have information about the previous murders i mean i guess maybe because he was at the scene of the crime maybe it was worth checking out his office or something like that i have no idea but that, that whole part confused me going through it right last night even, and just, yeah, it was too much coincidence at one point. Emma will show up to talk to Bumstead about, well, she gets to him, right? She wants to say something, and she gets kind of escalated up to Bumstead. Oh, we need to talk to you. He tells her about the murders. Emma doesn't really believe it. Cut to May's place. John is looking through his wallet to try and figure out who he is, because we've already had a scene where he doesn't remember his name and he's trying all these j names but none of them seem to fit he's like oh i'm john that's it because he finds his driver's license he also finds the picture of his wife but he has no idea who she is and that's kind of it he leaves before she's fully undressed and she's disappointed and that's not the last time we'll see her but that's the end of this scene john leaves and he heads for a billboard of shell beach I really don't know why he's obsessed with Shell Beach. I guess that's the, one of the only memories that he has, though, isn't it? So it's the only thing he can really think about. But let me ask you this. Why are there so many things about Shell Beach in this movie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, here's why I bring that up. If Shell Beach doesn't exist, yep. and you're trying to hide the fact that this world is fake, mm-hmm. why put so many reminders of a place that doesn't exist? Exactly. Especially one that's supposed to be right next door. Like, this isn't, oh, New York or Los Angeles or Hawaii, someplace that you can't get to, but Shell Beach, which is supposed to be across the bridge and down the street. I mean, okay, so... It just seems really poor planning. Here's me trying to make up some nonsense to try and help this movie out. One is the aliens didn't realize or they didn't think it was a big deal. They're just like, oh, this is how we make memories and they're trying to go for like an authentic experience and that blah, 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 blah. I don't really like that idea because that just makes them look really dumb. Second one is almost like the rat in the maze and I like this idea better because I was thinking the exact same thing as what you're thinking, man. This is stupid. Why are you giving people memories of places that don't exist? And every time you say to someone, how do you get to Shell Beach? How many times do we hear that in this movie? Oh, it's just, oh, oh, I don't know. Wouldn't people suddenly be like, can anyone remember where Shell Beach is? No. 
We've all got collective amnesia, something's going on here. What if, though, the aliens, what if this is a kind of giant lab rat trial and they're looking for the one that can get to Shell Beach and solve the puzzle? That's the only thing that I can come away with. I would like to believe that, but, but the problem is there's no... There's no prize. End. Yeah, there's no like reward for winning. And there's also no Shell Beach to actually get to. Right. Well, there, you, get, you get to the there, wall. There is a wall. But there's nothing there. So there's not like a person waiting yeah. for that one to make it through. There's just nothing. Yeah. It's not like Ready Player One where you get to the wall. It's like, oh, congratulations. Yeah. Like I said, it's not a perfect idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we are. I mean, my standpoint is that there were a lot of things they didn't think about that, in my opinion, they probably should have. I mean, this is a big one. And they bring it up the whole way through the movie. Yeah. So you'd think... And that's why be, I brought it up now. It's a massive handle. It really irritated me the second time through, and particularly the third time through. Mm. It just couldn't figure out why there was so much. Why is there a billboard? Why does that taxi driver have it on his dash? There's like a little mm, yeah. snow globe or something. Why? If it doesn't exist and you don't want people to find it or to try to escape, then why have it at all? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Why are you literally advertising it? <laughs> and why would John go up to the billboard? What difference does it make? What information are you going to get from standing in front of a billboard? I don't know, man. It looks good, though. Maybe I think that's... Maybe a memory. I don't know. I, I, again, I think visuals are a strong point here. Yeah. It does look good. You've got the weakened board, which one of the pale men is going to fall through, and then... That's going to lead to the big fight, our first big fight, where he is going to tune for the first time, make some of the boards disappear. We have one of the pale men fall, and, you know, he's choking. Another guy... Best karate chop in history. <laughs> yeah, kind of flies up and is about to attack John, but he pulls some ropes from underneath or something, and the waving hand goes crazy and chops off the guy's head. Yeah. Like the top of his head. So here we see the aliens, and this is, it doesn't look as bad here, but there are some other parts later in the movie where the aliens just look really bad. To be honest, 1980-whatever-it-was, three. Oh. I mean, I'm, so, I'm, 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 I'm going to say... Reference like, is a different one. 1983, the Slimer was better. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, <laughs> geez, man, come on. It's 15 years ago, and you still can't even get it right. Because <laughs> they look like... Stuff out of video games from the time? To me, again, Matrix moment, they look like the bugs that they implant in Neo uh, in his um, belly button to me. Especially at the end when you get a proper full view of it. That bug in the Matrix looks so much more real than this, though. Oh, yeah, I'm just talking about design, but yeah, it definitely looks Oh, no, real. I'm talking about the actual quality of oh, right, 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 right. the graphics and the visuals. Oh, that... yeah. Oh, you, that's why you talk about video games. Oh, yeah, it's... But video games were probably The one at better. the end looks really pixelated. I mean, it yeah. looks like something out of, what, Resident Evil 1 kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's got Kiefer Sutherland's Resident Evil acting to go with it. Or voice acting, I should say. That's unfair. I like But Kiefer. that... Don't come and beat me up, Kiefer. <laughs> Please. That does kill one of them. So we know that they actually can be killed. We see the meeting of the strangers where they talk about Mr. Quick is dead, and they're all worried about John's ability to tune. They speak mostly through English, but also through some sort of chittering of their teeth. Which... Again, this is something that I picked up on as well. As, uh, you've not seen this yet, so this is going to be a m tiny minor spoiler for Legion, but Legion Season 2, 
I've seen season one. Basically, it, it's not a huge part. At the beginning, everyone in the world is infected with this like kind of weird disease where they just are frozen and then they just like they're all just chattering their their teeth, just like this. Exactly the same as this. Yeah, it's like how they communicate. It's just bizarre. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh, Legion stole that. Nice." Ian Richardson will come in as Mr. Book, who apparently is in charge. He is the only one who seems to have some sort of weird Scars. deformity yeah, on his head. And I don't know if it's meant to be like he was the first to be put in. And so his injection wasn't as clean as the others. Right. But maybe he had like the full, the full brain transplant. Yeah, I, I, I don't really know. But he's there old it is. And he's, yeah. he's the boss. And that's all we need to know. Maybe that's it. It's just like, make him look different. Everyone's pale and white. We cut to the apartment. John shocks Emma because he's smoking and he says, I hope this is my brand. She's kind of reaching a hand to him, but he has no memory of her. So he's pulling back her saying, well, I talked to your doctor and I know kind of what you're going through because the doctor said he won't remember you. He won't remember anything. He'll probably be very confused. He might be having hallucinations. Basically covered all the bases with Emma so that (laughs) whatever reaction John would actually have would fit. We're going to cut to a public bath where Schraber is hanging out, one of his favorite places. Mr. Hand is going to appear, which... Do you think they hadn't watched Fast Times at Richmond High? <laughs> Why? I've not seen that either. Why? Oh, I mean, I see. Oh, okay. No. There's just a character called Mr. Hand in that one. Ah, uh, okay. okay. So I was just, just thought it very odd that that would be a choice. I just like how they're, how they're all like Mr noun or adjective i just like i like their i like the naming system that they've got in this it's not quite as fun as buckaroo bonsai but Mm. it works (laughs) at this point mr hand basically says he wants to be imprinted with john's memories which i'm not exactly sure why that's another big thing that i don't understand about the story john doesn't have memories yes so why does it matter i guess he wants just the memories that he's got currently and the only reason he wants them is so that he can, well, basically, because he uses them to track him. Because he's like, oh, I'll, I'll go to Uncle Carl's house, yeah. Or I know where Emma hangs out. It's a real long it. shot, though. Because it is a long shot. <laughs> in theory, John remembers nothing. I wouldn't care to go see all of these people he knew. Yeah. But luckily, he does. And so, otherwise, the story would just completely fall apart. So, yes, he's going to get them. It would just make much more sense if John was supposed to have some of the memories. Mm-hmm. At least then it would make sense. But for him to have zero memories, it seems a real leap in logic. But I think that we do get a bit at the end where Mr. Hand says that he wanted to know what it was like to be human. And so he got imprinted in that. Because he is is Agent Smith, after all. Yes. One thing that we've already talked about the injections twice now. One thing I just cannot get over is the stupid redundancy of that flap that comes out. Like, what's that for? <laughs> That's what makes the needle spin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, that's totally me throwing it out there. I don't know why the needle needs to spin. To drill through the brain. Well, to drill through the skull, probably. But yeah, that, that butterfly flap thing that comes out. Every time I saw it, it's just like, why? Who designed this? It looks cool. <laughs> it looks cool, yeah. I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes, though. Mm-hmm. This is where we have the taxi part I mentioned earlier, where the driver can't remember how to get to Shell Beach. John is going to follow Schraber. And here's another thing where Schraber was just in the bathhouse, and we just saw the detective, but now they're both together here hanging out. How did that happen? 
this is one of those fast travel times where everybody got here at the same time, but it makes no sense story-wise. Everybody was somewhere completely different and have all converged on this spot so that he could eavesdrop on their conversation. Bumstead is going to visit Walensky, who's going to go off about the fact that nothing is real and his wife isn't really his wife, and he's drawing the crazy things on the wall, but they're not that crazy because we know that they're real. Mm-hmm. It's just that he's obsessed with spirals and the shadow men, I think he calls them. Traber is going to arrive at a door that just appears in the wall. I mean, they're not exactly subtle. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody was to ever follow him, it would just give everything away all the time, as John is doing. But I guess you have to be able to tune to get in, so... I don't think Traber can tune, though. So I think he has to say, let me in. Yeah, they let him in, yeah. So that's how that works. But yeah, I mean, if someone, normal person followed him to just be met with a wall, just be like, oh, that was weird. How do, you, how do you get to Shell Beach? The assembly line of products. What does... Oh, God. What is that, man? That that was so out of place. And the voiceover as well. We need 12 <laughs> photo albums. Well, what kind of photo albums do you want? Do you want it to be women in the photo album? They have to match the memory. So we actually have to put stuff in here. Or, or not, because his his sketchbook later had nothing in it, and that made no sense to me I mean, either. I, I didn't even fully understand what they were doing at this point. Like, were they cataloging these things? Or were they setting up new rooms with new people with new memories? Because of the voiceover, I took it as this is them making the things that they need for the memories to seem real. So these are the things that they're going to put in, in the houses. place right. in the houses. But why do they need to do that when they can completely alter reality of their minds anyway? Yeah, that's totally obvious with the table scene later. That's exactly the one I was thinking of. If you can make a whole table... Yeah, and the house as well. Like, they just stretch the house too. Why do you need to make a photo album and some kids' drawings? I don't understand. Yeah, can't you just, like, beam that (laughs) into the table as well? There's a lot to here where I feel... That John, in second, seems to understand how to tune better than this whole race of people that have been doing it forever. Because they seem to have zero imagination, really, when it comes to how to do things. Uh, but I, think, I do think that's kind of the point in the movie, though, isn't it? They want to find out how to be human. I guess so. I, you, could, you could certainly make that argument. But I definitely had that thought in the first fight. When the guy was choking, but he can control reality... Why doesn't he make the rope disappear? You can fly. Yeah, that one other guy flew up. <laughs> it, it just seems that they're very inconsistent. Yeah. In a group that is supposed to be a hive mind, they don't all seem to think the same way. And that is also part of my problem. But from a just movie standpoint here, them doing this voiceover, giving instructions of what they need without actually giving any sort of details while people are already making them just doesn't work. Yeah. This is not how projects get made. <laughs> God, you couldn't even design you can't even design one house like that. Imagine like, we want flowers for the hall. All right, okay, I'll get some roses. Not roses, I wanted chrysanthemums or whatever. Yeah, you need to, you know, be specific, guys. Yeah, 19 photo albums, weddings, wedding pictures, uh, holiday pictures, what? And what's in each picture? Like, what memories are these for? Yeah, it's... And that bit, that bit was laugh out loud, just dumb for me. Well, then we get into the next part where Schraber is making the memories. 
So he's taking random liquid, what seems like random liquid, out to make a cocktail of memories. I don't understand how this works at all. It's very easy. You just add a pinch of grief. No, no, don't. I don't <laughs> want to hear what he said, because I already heard that three times now. What I don't understand is how is he putting it together? And from what we see through the microscope, how does he know what he's looking at? It's just kind of a green blob. There's really not much else going on there. Yeah, it's complete movie nonsense that's going on right now. Okay. Something that I gave a pass to the first time, but that second time <laughs> I really started I don't I don't quite get it. And it gets even worse as we actually go into that transformation that that's coming up. Mm-hmm. And in fact let's get to that. So the strangers, they all congregate in the big room, they do their chittering teeth sound and time stops, everybody goes to sleep, we start to see things transform. And this, for me, when I watched it the first time, was amazing. Yeah, I, I still like it. I think this part I do. Really, really I think good. a lot of it holds up still. And it was just so mind-shattering at because the time. Because this isn't CGI, yeah? This is, all, this is all models, I think. Or mostly models. I think it's got to be a mix, Yeah, I would say. But yeah, it looks really good. I loved it. Even, even yeah, 20, whatever, 22 years later before the matrix this is before inception and that style of change is really something and i think that many of the images and many of the special effects in this case they do still hold up pretty well at least on the small screen yeah but i cannot get over just the logistics of what they are doing <laughs> they're putting an entire city to sleep how long are they asleep for it seems like five minutes but yeah it should be weeks. <laughs> well, <laughs> possibly. Or at least, here's a few things I have with this. One, this seems to be the only time people actually sleep. So, are they doing this for eight hours? Because it feels like, you said, maybe half an hour. Or I always, in my head, for some reason, had it that they had one hour to do everything. But Schraber's the only one who's injecting anyone. So, if you just have this one guy who's got a gimpy leg getting around the whole city... And they're physically carrying them over their shoulders, placing them into chairs. It seems like it's going to take a very long time. I mean, I I took it like they don't actually reset the entire city. I mean, the whole city goes to sleep. Oh, no. Just certain people. But even still, within this scene... There's a lot that And it seems like a lot of fluff as well, like the barber shop. Like, did that? Did you really need to go to the trouble of, like, changing the guy in the barber's chair? Come on. Like, I understand setting up a murder to see what would happen, but, well, let's change the guy and give him a different haircut. That'll blow our minds. <laughs> what? Maybe they're completely clueless at this point. Yeah. I don't know. There's also, the best thing here is that couple that go from being the poor couple to being the rich couple at the massively spread out table. And there are kids who are also going to be injected as well. And Schraber's making a little commentary the whole time. Oh, you'll probably have maids and maid quarters after this, you know, something <laughs> like that. But looking at his bag, he's got four needles yeah. that aren't labeled at all. No. So I don't know how he keeps those straight. Not a good scientist. I don't know how many he could possibly fit in there considering they only fit four across. He's got maybe 16 total. So is he going to have to keep going back and forth the whole time? Because he only has the one bag. Uh, it's a logistical nightmare. Yeah, so this is where you really just have to suspend disbelief and let it go. And also, Matrix moment, Matrix Part 2, that house, when they pan out, it's the exact 
the same design hallway with the double staircase from the, one of the fight scenes in the guy's house. You know, when they're going to get the, the key maker. We are going to cut then to after everybody wakes, the nightclub, Bumstead is watching Emma sing. There's a tuning that we are told the tuning was incomplete because Murdoch was awake and causing problems. But that makes no sense to me because they can have as much time as they need. I, get, well, I mean, he, is there, he woke up though, didn't he? That was the, that was the problem. Yeah, but that was the night before. But he's immune to their sleep. Like, sleep. Yeah, but what difference does it make? He's running around. It seems to me the best time to go and catch him would be when everybody else is asleep and can't see what's happening. Oh, right, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Because there's going to be a bit where they say, oh, we couldn't finish that street because of things that were happening. I well... Why don't you just wait longer? <laughs> it's not unless, like he's going anywhere. <laughs> unless the sleep has a limited amount of time that it can work for. But that's never told to us. That's never explained. No. It is hinted, though, that other people have, they develop a, like, a gift, I guess, to, like, not sleep. Right? So it's John, the crazy cop, and even it seems like Bumstead at some point, he doesn't end up going to sleep either. Uh, and 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 Jennifer Connelly because they do the whole. They could just make them all sleep in the car at one point when they're trying to get away later, but it doesn't seem to work on anyone. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is actually quite easy. I think they forgot that it existed. <laughs> John's going to read the postcard. That's going to take him to his uncle Carl, where he's going to see a slideshow of pictures, and he says things like, "Where's the scar? What was that from? That was from the fire. I don't have that scar." What does that mean? Like, even Uncle Carl's starting to go, I, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to let it go. Go sleep. Yeah, thanks for throwing all my slides all over the floor for me to pick up. Yeah. <laughs> He's also been shown the picture of the art book that he was supposed to be scribbling in all the time, but it's blank when he sees it, when John sees it. John's going to try and escape to the subway to get to Shell Beach. He can't get there. He's told he has to take the express train, but the express train just never stops. Matrix train. Pick him up. Walensky is going to say there's only one way out, jumps in front of the train. We're going to see the scene where Bumstead is talking about the accordion and that he can't remember when his mother gave it to him. Big tuning time here is what I'm going to cut to, where John is running on the staircase, and this is where we're seeing the buildings grow and shrink, and this is what you were talking about, the running across the rooftop scene, Yeah, I think. yeah, the Matrix, Matrix rooftop running scene is... Again, even the colours in this are on point for the Matrix colours. And when Mr. Hand confronts him, what does he say? Mr. Murdoch. <laughs> I did. This time yesterday when I was watching I did hear that. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a bit spot on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the scene here, I think this is the part where the guy gets crushed from yes. the building. So these buildings as well... There's a Harry Potter scene that has something very much like this as well. It's pretty amazing how... I, I think even if you would say that it's not been ripped off, I would say that they've taken this and used it in many other ways. So I think that it must have had an influence on the way some special effects are shot and the way that they kind of look. Yep. And it does look very good, but it's such a stupid moment. <laughs> Because, again, if you can tune, fly. you can fly, you can take off the coat, it's not exactly moving very quickly. It's not like the house grows in a second. He's got, like, two minutes to try and take off his coat, but instead, 
just pulls just get on squashed. It. Yeah, like, oh, come on. This cost me four hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're going to get a bit of Mister Hand talking to John, saying that he has all the memories that John can't remember because they've been implanted. I believe this is also the scene where Mister Hand admits, for no apparent reason, that they use the dead humans as hosts. A building will grow very quickly under them and separate them. Bumstead is going to arrive out of nowhere in his car and take John off so that he and John can have a whole discussion about, do you remember anything? Tell me about the last time you saw the sun. Not like when you were a kid, but like yesterday. <laughs> and he can't do it. So Bumstead is becoming convinced, I would say. John is still under arrest, though, so he talks to Emma through the glass. She says something about love is a memory that can't be faked. And he says, yes, that's right. It can't be, which doesn't make any sense. It's very romantic and garbage. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really work for me. He tunes the glass to break dangerously between them yeah. instead of just making it disappear. But, okay, he's still new to his powers. He yeah. doesn't know. Kissing her is more important than safety, I guess. Like, I don't remember who you are, lady, but a free kiss. Sure, I'll take it. <laughs> Mr. Hand's crew is going to enter, and they're going to make everybody sleep on the way to the back. Murdoch's going to appear at the bathhouse, mm -hmm. where Schraber is, but I don't know how he knew that he was going to be here. In theory, this is where he saw them before, when they were talking. He tailed them or some, uh, who knows. But it's kind of a big stretch. Yep. Schraber tries to give him a syringe and says, this will help you understand everything, John doesn't trust him that does make sense yeah i certainly wouldn't inject it no and just inject this into your brain darren ah uh, no i'll pass <laughs> oh yeah and this other thing he he might the one caveat is you have to do it yourself i'm not a doctor <laughs> what if i miss like i'm supposed to just stab myself in the forehead with a needle oh okay yeah, i don't know why he didn't just do it himself but i think it might have gotten to that point if Bumstead hadn't arrived also with a gun. Yeah. This is where he's going to explain as well to both of them here and on their journey to Shell Beach, which is where John wants to go, that the creatures don't like water. So again, I don't know why in sci-fi so many aliens that don't like water decide to take over Earth creatures all the time. Yeah, they're made of water. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any other names because it would give many of them away, but... This does seem to happen a fair amount of times. Yeah. It's I, like, well, what does our planet have that others don't? Yeah. And so we can rely on that. But yeah, it does seem a bit weird. But it does explain why Schraber hangs out in the bathhouse. Well, well, I mean, even before, when Mr. Han first comes in, when we first see him, he's he like, says, I don't like this place. Yeah. But that's quite, it's so funny because, yeah, what's the one thing that every NASA scientist is looking for on other planets? Water. <laughs> so, yeah. Every alien in movies comes to Earth and they don't like water. Yeah. Gremlins love it, though. Not aliens. No. As far as I know. Maybe in Gremlins 12, that's... <laughs> bring up. No, they don't like water. Right. Anyway. John will keep that syringe. Schraber, like I said, is giving exposition the whole way onto Shell Beach. I think it's a nice touch that they don't even realize that they're from Earth, though. I like that. I got I, I, nobody remembers where we're from. No one remembers anything. And I did write down here exactly what you just said. Like this is like Exposition City from Kiefer right here. But I do like that they're so clueless. They don't even know where they're from. Right. 
And it does bring up the question then of how long has this been happening? Yeah. Schreber says, oh, well, you've lived dozens of lives, but you could have lived dozens of lives within a year, really. Yeah. If I mean, they're if changing every three days. Day, yeah. There is the possibility that none of these people are from original Earth. Yeah, they could have been grown. It is possible, which does bring up another logistic thing of, I don't know how they keep making new bodies. Unless, say, for example, a woman gets pregnant, and then they don't change her for nine months so that they can still... Yeah, that would be freaky just to wake up one day, oh my god, I'm nine months pregnant. <laughs> There's some other movies about that, but I guess... <laughs> again, can't tell you without spoilers, but yes. I think it's just a, a weird thing that I want to know about, but probably isn't important to the story. Mm. We're going to see Emma taken by Mr. Hand and his crew. They call her Anna. She's like, that's not my name. And he says it will be. <laughs> her oh. apartment has already been emptied. Oh, that's right, yeah. Didn't they explain that towards the end, though, actually? Didn't they say that everyone on the city was has been abducted? I'm pretty sure that that's what they said. Possibly, but I don't know how much to believe it. But Yeah, I'm pretty sure someone says that everyone here has been abducted from Earth. And that's where they're getting the bodies from, the population. Because people are obviously dying here because the aliens are wearing the dead bodies. So, yeah, there has to be some kind and of... And people just die. So there has to be a way of... There's got to be a circle. Making more. Yeah. But yeah, we also have more exposition where Schreiber's trying to explain what the strangers are doing. Their race is dying, but we don't know why. He says that they have a hive mind, even though I would suspect that a lot of the things we've seen show that either they don't or Mr. Hand is as Mr. Smith in The Matrix. Yeah. But here we have just a whole theory, the whole theory behind the whole thing, which I don't understand. How is having a soul going to save the race? Why is the race dying? I need to know why the race is dying off, why they have a problem, because otherwise, I don't understand the solution. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I, <clears throat> I, I'm not going to go into any spoiler territory here, but the whole Maze Runner series, I've listened to the three books, and I still don't understand what the central idea behind everything is. And this movie seems to have the same problem. We have a problem. We're going to tell you it's a problem, but we're not going to explain it in any way. Yeah, no, totally. I, I agree. It's interesting you said Maze Runner. I never, I mean, that's definitely got the same the same problem. <laughs> yeah, I don't even get into that. Um, <laughs> that. That's for another time. Because I've read all the books. Yeah, I, uh, but yeah, this is like, they, they, they go into explaining it, but then they don't explain it. This is the reason this movie is happening, but we can't tell you exactly why. Like, come on, that's just dumb. At least think it through a bit more. Yeah, so they're going to get to the wall. They finally get to the wall, the Shell Beach wall, where they break through, and the other crew, Mr. Hans crew, is going to arrive awfully quick, by the way. <laughs> and Bumstead and this other guy, Mr. Wall, I think it is. Ah, that's it. That's Bruce Spence. I think he's the one from Road Warrior. They have a fight, and they end up flying out beyond the force field yeah. and die. And we get a really cool reveal shot here of the city, which is awesome. It is. But this reveal shot and that force field thing is a problem for me. <laughs> because there's a problem in the fact that it's a very limited space where the force field actually exists. So much so that I'm pretty sure that where they are at the end of the movie goes beyond that force field. <laughs> Unless John has extended it 
with his mind. Well, it's possible. Anything's possible now. <laughs> Mr. Hand is going to hold Emma hostage, so John is going to allow himself to go in. The strangers are all congregating around John. Mr. Book says that John is the answer, and they can just stop with the whole experiment now. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Maybe we should try it out first before we give up on everything. That we've been doing for hundreds of years, maybe thousands. <laughs> Let's try it out a bit first. And then allows Schraber to inject John. Schraber, to, I do like the way this was set up, though. Mm -hmm. John had kept the other syringe. Schraber switches the syringes. I like that. It was set up. It paid off well. He injects him with memories of him throughout his whole life, teaching him how to use the powers. It is a clever use of the mechanics that they've developed. I have problems with the mechanics, but I think with the rules that they've given, I think that this is quite clever. This can allow John to learn a lot in zero time. Yeah. Jacking in similar to the Matrix, right? Yeah. I know Kung Fu. He doesn't, but he knows I know Toon Fu, right? <laughs> Here's one of the special effects that I think does not hold up, though, and this is definitely a CG one, where he wakes up and John melts the shackles and the whole table away it doesn't look very good. I like the idea of it. I like the design of it. But the actual execution of it doesn't quite work. It just looks a bit weird. Yeah, it looks like they made a pasta. And now comes the fight. The big fight. Where but, they... Yeah, go ahead. But let's not forget the fact that Kiefer is essentially in a wheelchair. Or stand-up wheelchair that's helping him walk. And he just, he just melts that as well. I don't think that that's helping him walk. Ah, okay. Is it, I, mean, I it think that was meant. I think it was meant to be a cage. Yeah, but it looked like a, a cage where he could walk and still work. Right. It was like okay. a slave cage. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I don't. <laughs> he was able to walk before. He had a bad leg, but he still could walk. I right. don't think that it's meant to help him walk. <laughs> I think it was meant to be more of a cage. That's, that's a real. That's a real mean thing. To he does do. fall over though. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So. The same problem I have with a lot of other movies where they use magic of any kind or anything like that. They don't do a lot of interesting things, at least at the beginning of the fight. They're just doing a battle of wills where they just basically look like Sticking they're having... their foreheads out at each yeah, other. <laughs> they look like they're having a staring contest. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to blink. No, you're going to blink. <laughs> but yeah, it, it does look very silly it's now. Yeah, it's just, it's never been able to, they've never been able to do it well. I think there are times where it can work well, but this is not one of yeah. them. The fight will continue to the outside and it will end kind of stupidly with John mentally throwing a knife at Mr. Booker, which will make him spin. And then also the cool part of making a building rise and him flying into a water tower the water raining down. I guess that will be the reason that most of the strangers die is because of the water that rained down from the water tower. Yes. Yeah. And some explosions and stuff too. Oh, I you, think you mean the, the, the dude does get impaled on a spike as well, but just... <laughs> we want to make sure he's definitely, yeah, he's dead, definitely dead to the point where we have to see the creature come out of his head and, and die. Disintegrate, yeah. But that is where that's the worst one. That's yes. the one that to me looks like it's from a mid nineties video game. Yeah, that's got more pixels than Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> it's all over. John now controls everything. He can control the machinery, thanks to Dr. Schraber. And he can now do whatever he wants. Have a little problem here. Do the machines just run on their own? Or does John have to stay awake for the rest of his life? <laughs> 
Because he also seems to be holding in the force field and everything. Yeah. I shouldn't have killed everyone. (laughs) I'm kind of like their god now, anyway. We're not supposed to think that through, I think. I'm the new Mr. Book. We're going to get the scene with Mr. Hand, where he basically explains, oh, I wanted to be like you, and I wanted to see what was going on. And John gives that speech about metaphor. Oh, you're looking in the wrong place. It's, it's not in here, pointing to his head. It's in here, like <laughs> pointing to his heart. And I'm, uh, well, not scientifically speaking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I still don't think you quite get it, John. I don't think they uh, can inject your heart with memories. <laughs> he's gonna meet anna and of course their love has to persist even though logically it doesn't make any sense that it would but it doesn't logically make sense how she got to that pier well she took the bus where uncle carl can now stand so we know he's okay but wasn't it through like a fake door as well like didn't he have to like create the door to get out there in the first place like how are you here let me let me take a stab at (laughs) filling this gap john must have done something with his mind to direct her there. Yeah, okay, fair enough. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the thing where they're out on this pier, and I'm pretty sure this is way beyond where the force field was that Bumstead and Mr. Wall died from. And also the two shots that they use, the one from the front looking back at the city and the one that they use from the back looking out are two completely different places. It's so obvious that that's a real beach, and this is not... (laughs) And that's pretty much it. So that's that's the movie. I know that I'm really picking it apart, but it's I think the three watches, especially two two in a row, pretty much two yeah. too close to really suspend my disbelief through it. I do still enjoy it. Oh, I yeah, think I that there's it. a lot of fun to be had here. There's a lot of good things here. Like I said, a lot of the visual style of the special effects and the changes have been emulated later and. I think that this movie elevated that so that others could see it and learn from it. Yeah, I think it's one of those prototype movies kind of thing where they have a lot of good ideas and then a lot of other studios and things will be like, this This was awesome, this was like really, really good, but I'm going to make it better. Yeah, and they did. And that's probably the biggest downfall is that after Dark City, other people did similar stories, similar special effects, similar kind of everything, but did it better. Yeah. And You know, I think that Dark City still has a place in my heart. I think that there's still a chance I will come back and watch it again. I think the visuals alone and the use of color and light are going to keep me coming back from time to time to say, oh yeah, I need to see that again. I know why I'd watch it again. I wonder if the Mystery 3000 guys have done a rewind on it. That would be pretty funny. I can pretty much guarantee that. Well, I... I don't know if they, as Riff Tracks, haven't done it. Mm. Because that's when they... That's what I meant. Riff Tracks, not Rewind, yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, where they decided, hey, we could actually... We we can do proper movies and just do the voice work so we don't have to get the rights to Doom. And, yeah, so maybe they've gone back on this one, but... Because they've done The Matrix. Yeah. Oh, have they? They've done... Oh, it's fantastic, man. Matrix Reloaded is brilliant. A lot of those I haven't done. So here's the thing... Would I see it again? Yes, probably. Would I recommend it to people? Yes, but I would say that it's probably dated. And, you know, there are some people who I think very much would like to see this, and I hope that they do. Yeah, I agree. Gaps filled or more gaps created. <laughs>